and doesn't show me. Ah, there we go. Got too many windows open. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Welcome to the All That's Holy Blue Collar Podcast. Thought-provoking interviews with interesting guests and commentary on everything. Food, sports, God, gardening, church, politics, music, movies, comedy, you name it, we talk about it. I'm Cody Stopper. And this is Craig Morton. On this podcast, we talk to writers, teachers, activists, and we seek some wisdom, and as always, we are allergic to big words, but not to big ideas. Profound things will be said, but entirely by accident. All right, so are you ready? Are you ready? Yes. So uh, as we continue to use smart agendas for healthy meetings by sesh.com, we jump into the icebreaker question. Sponsor, sponsor. I know. Yeah. So sponsor. send us your money, please. <laughs> What's the icebreaker question? Oh, goodness. Let's see. Oh, well, there you go. What are some of your favorite holiday traditions that you did while growing up? Because mm. we're coming that time of year. Well, which holiday are we talking? Thanksgiving? Hey, we talking? It's what did your favorite ones? You might even have your own holidays that nobody else even knew existed. Boy, oh boy. Uh, hmm, what are some of your favorite holiday traditions that you did while growing up? One of my favorites. So my we live in the middle of nowhere. Or we live, you know, my parents live in the middle of nowhere. I grew up in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Now Closest you're, in a, mile. Yeah, now you're <laughs> in a Mecca. You're just yes. in a metro. Driving. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But uh, so closest neighbor you know, over a mile away. Nobody drives by. I mean, hardly anybody drives by the house. You know, there's like two cars a day that go by and they zoom by at 70 miles an hour because it's the middle of nowhere. You can just zoom right by. And uh, my mom, though, would go crazy with the lights on all the trees. Again, we had a lot of trees around the the place. And then on the course on the roof around the eaves fences buh, 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 buh. and so dad and i would always do that we'd have to dad would have to break out his uh his tractor a 4020 with a lift bucket he would put on there to lift me up to put nice. the lights at the top and so <clears throat> people would drive out you know just for that, to see those lights, to come out and see the lights there. They wouldn't come up and knock on the door and be like, hey, we're here to hang out. But they would <laughs> they would drive up just to see, you know, one of the lights in the area back back then. So that was always cool. I would complain a lot about it, of course, because I'm like, nobody, we live nowhere. We're in the middle of nowhere. Why are we doing this? And And my biggest complaint was... One of the outlets they had to use to power the lights was in my room, which meant my <laughs> window was open all winter long. No. With, yeah, it was. I would wake up some nights. You could see the breath, you know, as I'm sleeping type of situation. But it was the sacrifice we made. We were making 
wow. to help That's to help dedication. my mom experience her Christmas spirit and to help give a few people a little light of hope in a dark, bleak winter. Hey, you timed that that perfectly. You, mm-hmm. it, the little little dinger <laughs> went and said, "Your turn is over." That's so, right. Now your turn. All right. I, you know the 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 the, uh, the bucket getting lifted just made me think of you know one of I was already thinking about one of our family traditions and I wish we had something like that. But then again, we didn't need it because we had safety harnesses. <laughs> because my my dad had been a uh, ham radio operator since childhood. Mm. You know, built mm-hmm. his own sets. Oh, uh, awesome! His, his mom was a ham radio operator. And so by the time he was 10, he was building his own sets and, you know, calling and talking with people all over the world. That's cool. Uh, and in our backyard growing up, we had a 70 foot tower with a ham antenna up at the top, which oh, wow. in a new subdivision, it's taller than any tree. It's taller oh, than man. any house. I mean, it just stands out. It's easy to be seen. Yeah. And so my dad in the garage, you know, got, got some, um, some wood and some, lights and made a uh, christmas star oh and so it was usually after thanksgiving you know we would climb up on the tower now as little kids we liked climbing on the tower it's kind yeah. of an awesome perspective exactly. to see your backyard that's right but he had taken uh, uh, some slats of plywood and covered the bottom like six feet of the tower so that we <laughs> couldn't climb up on the rungs <laughs> and uh which was which was probably a wise thing to do because i remember as a child one of the things i wanted to do is i stuffed a bunch of sheets in a backpack and was getting ready to jump off the second story roof um <laughs> and i was going to pull the sheets out you know and make a pair like of yeah so it's probably it's really wise that you know he had done that but no it was it was you know we would climb up we had the safety belt because my dad was a was a tower jockey and engineer in um as a, as a profession working with Earth satellite stations. And I spent some time actually in college being a tower jockey and climbing these 200-foot towers and things like that. But as good a kid, money. it was climbing up there, looking at the looking at That's the neighborhood, cool. getting the getting the lights attached. And then yeah. after after my my dad had died a few years ago, we were talking with one of the people who was uh, working. She was a receptionist at the at the facility where he had been living for those last couple of years. And she said, oh, you're the ones, he's the one with the tower and the lights. I always loved walking by and seeing those. And it's like, wow. So now my nephew and uh, niece-in-law are living there. And they still have the tower because we don't know what to do with it. Right. (laughs) And may end up keeping that tradition going. So that that was a favorite thing. I love it. Transitioning. There we go. How do I go to the next so, thing? So, listeners, share with us your. Feel free to comment and add your own favorite favorite holiday tradition. So, how do you like that? I love that transition music. It's nice. It's nice. Yeah. <laughs> so, let me ask you: shifting to something serious. Well, that was that was serious, but shifting to something more serious. Yes, because more serious. You, did, did you hear something in your house? I just... <laughs> I'm there's my kid is back here on a, a phone. We're talking to somebody. Oh, okay. So, do you know where the term semite comes from? Yeah, isn't it? It's essentially. I know that it doesn't just mean 
you know, of Jewish descent, right? It means of a region back in the Middle East, way back in history, around the time of the Jewish uh, or Israelite time, right? Period, conquest, denied conquering of the land. and I think it's even pre-Israelite. Ooh, okay. Yeah, I mean, so when, when did Israel get called Israel? When did Israel get caught? When, uh, well, the dude wrestled the angel or the Lord yeah, or God right. or whoever. Right, right. <laughs> so yes. who who was the great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather of Jacob? Great, let's say this number, great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great. <laughs> Would that be Noah? There you go. And <laughs> okay. Noah had three children, right? Oh, here we go. Ham. Were, okay. Yeah. Ham. Uh, uh, oh, I know. I, I'm going to end on the third one because that's where it comes from. Ham, Jephthah, and Shem. Right. So Ham, um, Japheth, or Jep- Jephthah, or however you say Jephthah. his name. And, oh, and Japheth. Japheth. So, so those those three kids are um, understood to basically go repopulate, you know, the known mm-hmm. world, right? Yes. And and so they're also kind of assigned different regions. So I think one of them actually represents kind of um, Asia Minor and the East. Yes. Even um, I guess in legend, all the way over toward Japan. Right. Uh, another one is toward Europe. And I can't remember which one it was if Japheth went to went to the east and Ham went north or vice versa. But Shem stayed more or less around what we consider to be the Holy Land, but it isn't just the Holy Land. So right. it's, it's, so. it's Israel and Palestine. That seems to make sense. Yes. But it includes uh, all of Saudi Arabia. That's right. Arab, it, goes in, it goes into Persia. So you've yep. got you know, even Babylonian connections. Yeah. Uh, Phoenicians. Iraq, Iran. Yep, Phoenicians. Yeah. You mm-hmm. move up through uh, Jordan, Syria, and you move all yep. the way across northern Africa, all the way over to wow. Morocco. Oh wow, Algiers. And so, if if I remember this with my Old Testament professor in seminary when he said, um, if you if you disrespect or don't like or you judge uh, those who are Arabs and Palestinians, if you don't like those people, you know, and you, yeah. you admit it, you, you work against them. That is anti-Semite. Yeah, that's right. And, and so, which kind of, you know, blows us away because we've never thought in those terms. That's interesting. But to be Semitic actually, and I mean, if you, you know, if you're, did, did you take Hebrew class? Nope. Greek. Uh, you, you, you missed out on Hebrew. I know, but, but Not Hebrew, sure. I mean, everybody, not everybody, but anybody studied Hebrew realizes it's a Semitic language. Yeah. But it's a Semitic language that's best based on Ugarit and what was the other one? Chaldean. Yep. You know, so it's part of a, la- a region of languages that is much larger than Hebrew. That's right. And so even with my my Hebrew class, that's where you know my old testament prof would bring it up is that if you're if you are supportive of Semitic culture. That means you need to embrace right. um, Persians, Northern Africans, uh, I think maybe even Greece or parts of Asia Minor, maybe oh, Hungary. Yeah. yeah, it's a um, big chunk it's of a, territory. It's a huge region. Yeah. 
And and if that's what you want to be supportive of as you know pro-Semitic, then it seems like you would be working toward whatever is a peaceful solution for all those people to live together. For the whole area, yes. Oh my and gosh. so <laughs> I, I don't know about you, but have you posted anything online or done anything on wor- worship about the recent uh, devastation in Israel and, and Gaza? So the only thing I've done is my... Uh, in worship, in worship is simply prayers for the area. You know, prayer time, prayer right. for all con. You know, the conflicts happening there. Prayer for peace. Prayer for those, all those dying on all over the sides of the conflict that aren't you know literally don't have anything to do with any of this other than they just happen to be there. Right. You know? Right. Uh, so that, and then I uh, put a, a, a header image on my Facebook that's uh, quotes a uh, me without you lyric where it says, we all know, we all know, well, know we're going to reap what we sow, you know? So yeah. what we planting in yeah. seed right now in the form of bombs and missiles and whatever, it will grow into something down the future, uh, down in the future too. And a you know, that, that reminds continuation me, of the con- cycle. We do need to have that conversation with Aaron yes. someday. Uh, mm-hmm. for me without you no, absolutely. But, yeah so that whole reap what you sow now what i get troubled with is i'm afraid to say anything i know because it <laughs> sounds know. like equivocation if you say <laughs> but there's a whole historical um kind of apartheid that the palestinians have suffered you know then you get say oh well you think terrorism is okay and that you know killing innocent people on october 7th isn't uh, you know, isn't a bad thing. And it's like, no, 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 that's not what I'm saying. Exactly. Like for the general health, you know, like if you, yeah, it, 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 we'll talk about in uh, some of our classes that we have where we do book studies and things and we'll say, hey, you know, um, probably one of the best moves you can make for the future health of the region is to not go ahead and just try to wipe out, you know, everyone. Because you're only <laughs> because you're going to just continue. You're going to just create yeah. more terrorists. <laughs> well, know? yeah, I remember that that was a song lyric also from uh, Bruce Coburn. I can't remember the song, uh, but he talks about the issues of of violence going on in the uh, '80s in Central America, and that all you're doing is raising up another generation, generation. who feels the need to get even with exactly. what happened to their the previous generation and so you're trying to speak out for the best for uh, somebody and yet they're trying yeah. to tell you no you sympathize with no i don't want any terrorists that's why i yeah you know yeah. one of the I, I just i my encouragement would be for people to read some you know to read some history yeah <laughs> and um and and to read widely but one of the things that I looked up was actually through the, I believe it's the National Archives. It's at hmm. uh, archives.gov. And it it's uh, kind of a listing of some of the things that were going on from 1917 up to 1948. Oh, yes. And and so the, this desire for uh, uh, a Jewish homeland had been in existence since the 19th century yep. um, in the in the late, late 1800s. But after World War One. Uh, Woodrow Wilson wanted to create the League of Nations. Yeah, I mean, it was it was his idea, mm-hmm. and the Congress of the United States would not uh, allow the United States to join it. Uh, 
And because, you know, the United States after World War One was going through this whole isolationist thing. Yep. You know, similar to what we were experiencing over the last, you know, several years previous to the present presidential administration. You know, there was this kind of like America first mentality that was beginning in, the, in that period of time. And so we're not going to we're going to hang out with other countries and try to work them out. And so taking the the voice our voice historically out of the conversation right yep. it was really uh the united kingdom that had the power and control over that region because of their empire and they you know hammered out this agreement uh based on something called balfour the balfour declaration and then put it into practice so mm. that this land would be a place for a jewish homeland mm. and it at that point, 1948, left out the Palestinians. Of course, and and we as a as a country did not have a voice to enter into that because we chose not to participate in the League of Nations. Interesting. Uh, and so, there's just a whole historical backdrop that often gets lost, and it doesn't justify anybody's violent action toward anybody else. No, but it also makes you realize um, there's not a lot of innocence <laughs> that's right it's <laughs> uh, and there's and, and people are, are suffering because of unfinished or unresolved conflicts that that date back 100 years that's right so mm. so that's something that i i you know i don't know how to incorporate that in worship other than to say we need to pray for <laughs> those who are suffering yeah and before you rush in with your pronouncements and declarations, maybe do yourself a favor and go read up a little on some history. <laughs> yeah, there, there's plenty of plenty of uh, reasonably uh, authoritative sources out there. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So that's a heavy. It's a heavy, but it no seems kidding. like it's worth you know making making mention of. Yes. And and in some ways, I think it it spills over into the topic we began last week about theological assumptions, right? Uh, because <laughs> about that region, there's a whole lot of theological assumptions. Oh, boy, theological, so, political, yeah, yeah, and it's, yeah. It's all wound up, and and I guess you know part of what I was thinking is how what would you define or how would we define theological assumptions that we're talking about? Yeah. Um, well, sometimes when I when I when I hear the phrase theological assumptions, I I hear. Well, okay. So my first thought was actually, um, I can't remember who did this. There are several universities and seminaries and whatnot, Bible colleges and things. They actually post instead of in lieu of a. These are our doctrinal statements, or or what we believe, or whatever. Maybe to make this sound more academic or something, but they say these are our theological assumptions, <laughs> and oh, they will yeah. list. Yeah, I've seen that on some of their like websites okay. and things. Yep. And you so know, I... it's like what we just hey before we begin any conversation, here's what we assume to be true, and there, let's go from there. <laughs> yeah, and in some ways that has integrity. Yeah, uh, I remember in in um, in our hermeneutics classes that um you know one of the things that the, the professor would say is before you start doing your your um notes and your exegesis and going through the passage just you know read read the passage and make a list just for yourself what are yeah. your presuppositions about what you think this means already Ooh. 
And That's right. having done that, you can support your presuppositions and justify them, or you can realize that they're huh. probably a bias that you grew up with. And and then even if you share that in a sermon. That's right. But but at the very least, it then says everything that comes after that, you can take with a grain of salt. That's right. Because of like, this is where I'm coming from. Yes, this is the filter. Here's a good example from uh from a sermon I did yesterday, actually. So the the uh lectionary text for Old Testament was Joshua, and they were about to go into the promised land. And he'd gathered together all the people, you know, and this is the passage where the famous uh choose you this choose this day whom you will serve but as for me and my household we will serve the lord right and so he's speaking to them and he lets them know hey before we move in here you got to decide you know are you going to follow the gods from egypt are you going to follow the gods of the akkadians in the uh in the area uh or you know hey for me i'm going to follow the lord so make your make a choice here today and the people respond, you know, presented as responding all of one voice. Well, we will, of course, we'll serve the Lord. You know, we, we've seen these great signs. This God rescued us from, from the house of slavery. We will follow the Lord. And Joshua then says, and here's, I had to, I had to make sure I, in the um, sermon, I had to say, just because somebody says something in the Bible doesn't mean it's true. Okay. So, <laughs> and uh, he said, no, 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 stop. You can't possibly, I'm kind of paraphrasing here. You can't serve the Lord. This is a jealous God. He will not forgive you your transgressions and sins. And so he's presenting a theological assumption, I think there of, oh yeah, yeah. God will not forgive you if you go astray. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah. so that's really that's a really good one, because it seems like there's a lot of stories in the Bible that would go against that idea. That's right. And that's why I said, I said, oh, now pause <laughs> Just sometimes the Bible is being descriptive, not, you know, telling yeah. you exactly how it is. I mean, as far as, you know, prescriptive, how you should view things, but just yeah. how yeah. someone viewed some things. <laughs> you know, so what years ago. Uh, it's weird uh, being part of a denominational group in 1995, I think it was, we, we, as a Mennonite church or Mennonite uh, denominations, there's two at the time, we affirmed a statement of faith, 24 articles. And, um, now we've kind of like set that aside going, oh, that's a bit too limiting. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's a, it's a good book to read, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, and but one of the things that it did in its um, in its preface is it said we're not going to use language to describe our faith. Yeah, well, that doesn't use language that uses language that is not part of the uh, biblical text. Mm. You know, at least as much as possible. Yeah. You know, so you can talk about salvation. That word's in there. You know, you can talk about creation. You know, that word's in there. Mm -hmm. But the big point was that when it got to the points of uh, infallibility and inerrancy yeah. those yeah. words aren't in there that's right and and that really did, you know kind of upset it ruffled some feathers of course it just would. like that just like the passage you were talking about you know mm -hmm. if if the bible is inerrant and infallible at least in one level of thinking about it yeah then you go oh wow god oh. god isn't forgiving oh <laughs> we got we got that wrong <laughs> jesus yeah. wasted his time you know it's like <laughs> mm-hmm 
Yep. Uh, yeah. And so that's, I think that's some of those places where those assumptions come in. That's right. Yeah. You know, yeah. 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 So uh, why, why do you think these are, why can they present a problem, theological assumptions in your, you know, in I your think, opinion? You know, one of the things that I, I think about, and I think one of the reasons this idea came up for me initially was, well, it's Reformation Day, you know, not too long ago. Of course, that's right. October, around Halloween. And, you know, we Mennonites kind of scoff at Reformation Day because, you know, <laughs> Luther didn't quite get it right. Zwingli didn't get it right. Calvin definitely got it wrong. Uh, <laughs> but the Anabaptists did a pretty good job there. Hey, heck and, yeah. And, and, and you as a Wesleyan know that the whole movement for small groups and cells that John Wesley talked about got from us. So, hey, we <laughs> saved you too. Um, where was I going with that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was going to say something about humility, but I kind of missed it. Um, <laughs> but, but one of the things that came out of, uh, you know, that comes out of the Reformation that I think is still a valuable concept uh, there's a lot of valuable concepts actually, but I mean, one of the things is a primary is is just the um, the slogan, you know. Yeah. Once reformed, always reforming. Always reforming. Yep. And that that whole idea that you're never done, you've never, right. we've never gotten this faith or theological or way to do church, we've never gotten it completely finished and got it all figured out. And it yeah. just takes, you know any surface reading of church history to realize yeah we're still figuring it out there's no reason to assume that at this point we have got it locked in and then if you're part of those groups that say yeah we've got it locked in it is defined it's rock solid and there's no exceptions here i stand and 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 you better not do any other you know that's right uh, and but that's where people bail. That's where people wash their hands of Christianity and going, I can't be a part of this thing anymore. It's a disaster. It's a it's a dumpster fire. It, that's right. It destroys people's lives. You know, and right. I, I think the thing that destroys people's lives is the stranglehold that some groups have on the definition of what it is. That's right. Yep. Yep. And so that whole idea of assumption was, you know, it's not a finished story. And let, yeah, let's name some of our assumptions. And are there yeah. other ways to view this that are still, I don't know, faithful? I'm not sure what word yeah. to use there. Yeah. Or or even just recognizing that the conversation and continuing ongoing, for lack of a better word, argument, yeah. uh, discussion about it is being faithful to the principles and the idea. Yeah. 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 Why does it have to be one set answer? That's right. Okay, so do we I, have any? Uh, what are some that you've heard? What are some uh, have we heard from anybody yet? As we've gathered, well, or, we've we we maybe this may be a shortcoming of our advertising, but because uh, <laughs> I I need I don't spend that much time on social media saying hey we want to talk to you, but um, one of the ones that came across was about blood atonement. Mm. Oh yeah, you know that there, there's an assumption about what blood God needs is, blood, you know, and it's and and I think you know there's you know, there's stories about it. What does it mean? You know, why did they do it back when, mm-hmm. you know, with, with lambs and cattle and, you know, all that stuff in the temple. Yep. Um, yep. You know, it yep. carries on as a significant theme throughout the new Testament, even to the book of revelation. It does. And, yeah. and, and, and in my mind, uh, because of a book I read, it's over there somewhere, <laughs> <laughs> yes. but, 
but it really has been pushed to the forefront in the last 20 years with the concept of nonviolent atonement. Yeah. You know, is, is forgiveness, even though Joshua doesn't think it's possible, you know, <laughs> is forgiveness something that requires the death of something else? Ugh. You know, and it, it seems like, you know, if we think, if we think, yeah, we can have everything balanced and put back because something has to die. That's right. It seems like it gives, um, it can loosely, unintentionally give justification for any act of violence. Yeah. Oh, and we got, we got, we've got a righteous uh, motivation. Yeah. We're just trying to make That's things right. better. Got to shed some blood to purify. And then, so how many, and see, I didn't grow up in a really evangelical church. I mean, it was a Presbyterian church and it yeah. was evangelical adjacent. <laughs> yes. Um, and, but we, I don't remember in the hymnal growing up a lot of blood songs. Oh, oh. and then worshiping with Baptists in college. Lots of it. There's a lot of blood songs, and I don't know. Washed what to do in with the, blood the blood of the Lamb. Yeah, and it. My initial response was like icky. <laughs> you know, it's just like gross. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I don't know. What about you? What about the whole blood oh. thing? Was that part of your tradition? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Growing up, it was the absolutely, you know, the um, the idea essentially being that, I mean, not that we had to obviously still keep doing it. And so that's could be, I suppose, a healthy, I mean, could bend you towards a healthy uh, assumption because you assume, well, the blood shedding is done because the sacrificial mm -hmm. lamb took it on. And Hebrews presents, you know, Jesus as the high priest sitting down, meaning the job is done, the job is over. So, you know, you could even within that, you could, there's yeah. choices to go, you know, uh, a more healthy direction. But a lot of times it still is like you combine that with the sense of not total depravity, but the idea of like, well, this world isn't our world. It's not our home. And so, yes, of course, no bloodshed any longer for me to purify my sins, but we still leave it as a uh, option for the day in, day out, because this isn't our home and it follows a different set of rules. And so blood, let's shed it. Let's pour it, you know? But yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we it, had it yeah. in our songs and our hymn books. Oh, yeah. So it'd be fun to look that a little bit deeper because I'm curious, what is the, you know, maybe next week, what, you know, what is the, what was the ancient, um, you know, understanding of what that spilled blood meant? Yeah. You know, I mean, there's, what, what was the association that, you know, ancient cultures had? Because, you know, for us, it's, I, you know, it, it's, it's a whole different thing, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it was it was common for you know Hebrews, Canaanites, you know Phoenicians, Egyptians. You know you see it in um, uh, Mesopotamia. It shows up in the in the Americas with Aztecs and Mayans. You know there's there's you sacrifice stuff, and you yeah. you bleed it. You know why? What's what's going on there? Yeah. And there's kind of just an anthropological curiosity with that. Yep. Yeah. And then. What do we do with communion when we drink the cup? You know. Yeah. Yeah. So, mm. Yeah. I. So you there, know, there's there's definitely more to talk about that whole blood thing. Oh my gosh, so much you could do a whole the rest of our lives talking about the 
<clears throat> you know, just that element alone of worship and well, life, spiritual life. Yep. So, yeah, we can do that for our future. Uh, you know, one thing, though, that I think about, like, so uh, there's those passages of scripture where God is presented as saying, speaking through prophets, like, I don't desire sacrifice. Am I a, yeah, and I'm, yeah. I want to remember what scripture it is, but am I a man who is hungry and thirsts? Do I need you to pour, you know, blood for me to, yeah. So well, there was a, that in there. There was, <laughs> there was an argument against that in there. There was, well, I mean, in that, and I, yeah, again, we should be better Bible scholars, but <laughs> I mean, Isaiah brings that up. Yeah. But he brings it up in the period of, um, it, it's in Deutero Isaiah or Trito Isaiah. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if it's the second or third, but it's in the post exilic second temple period. So after they built the temple, Ezra and Nehemiah did their stuff, which I'm not a big fan of those guys. Um, <laughs> but, you know, they do their thing, establish, you know, get the temple up and going. And here comes Isaiah later and other prophets saying, you're spilling blood and doing all those sacrifices is nuts. Like, just give me some justice. Take care That's of the right. poor. Mercy. Um, Mercy, obedience, justice. Yeah. yeah. And so they're they're actually speaking against the resumption of some of those That's right. know, uh, That's blood right. things. Anyway, yeah, there's a lot there. So I don't know Lot. if we can solve it. I think we should be able to solve it. Ah, uh, let's try. I have given it a hearty effort. All right. So I'm going to let you take the segue for this next uh, Hey, session. Here we go. Okay. Well, <laughs> segue. All right. So one of the things that we want to do, of course, is Craig and I have a, speaking of bloodthirsty. <laughs> we have a desire to take over the podcasting world. No, not really, but we do want to produce more high-quality shows and perhaps uh, more series and and spend more time and have it be a little bit higher-quality production as well. And so we are asking for support. How can you support? Well, my friend, you can support us by checking out our Patreon page. And, you know, for the cost of... You don't even have to buy Craig and I each a coffee. You can buy... One coffee that we can split between us. That's right, like two bucks a month. Just check it out. Just test it out with a $2. You won't even notice it was gone. You know, that those $2 for the month. You can do that. Hop over to our Patreon page. Support us in that way. You got any other thoughts on that, Craig? Well, what I would like to say is uh, also not only were you trying to improve our quality and have some you know more resources to, to dig in, mm -hmm. but you know it'd be nice to develop some more voices, more you know, shows, more so, voices, and so other not not just you and me being uh, wonderful as we are, but also <laughs> you know bring in some other voices that are are uh, you know not being heard, and That's that right. would be fun. That would and be those voices might be people that we know. <laughs> that could be. That could would be, be fun. So, I do love that idea. Yes, we yeah. want to develop a few other shows that aren't just Craig Cody centric. And then in the future, one of the things we have worked on, but we do have a little bit of um, conversation around it is also, it'd be fun to have um, themed retreats where yes. we can invite a small group of folks to come together and dig into something. Maybe um, a worship into retreat, theological maybe, issues yeah. or worship issues or, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, what's it like to, you know, has anybody sacrificed a lamb lately? And what's that like? <laughs> wow. Tell us about your experience. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yeah, so that's good. 
Love it. Yeah. So All the right. Patreon, that's how uh, 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 there'll be some links I'm sure associated with the, the uh, episode here. So click away, so find I, that Patreon. So link. It'll be, it'll be on uh, the missionplace.org where there's the mission place media tab, which goes down to the, all that's holy blue collar podcast. There'll be links there. Beautiful. Uh, there'll be links on social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, on our fate, we have a Facebook page that we sometimes use. <laughs> and uh, I'm beginning and, to use threads more because I don't go to oh, Twitter anymore. I, it's not Twitter. So, X. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it, yeah. And so, hey, I tagged you, by the way, on threads this morning. So Did you really? I'm oh, sure you I saw that. So you I will go, go check it out. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, the other thing, too, is um, if you do join our list of Patreon supporters, currently we're not set up like other Patreon pages where there's like levels and you get that. That's something we'll work on. Uh, down the road so that maybe there'll be some you know benefit to to you as a supporter we'll work on those but right now hey just two bucks a month everybody gets the same thing everybody gets the same thing (laughs) all right all right cool thank you for your support thank you thank you as uh i I don't know have you ever listened to uh the podcast uh is it the victims of culture wars oh no I didn't even oh, know that was a thing. Ooh. It's a it's a it's a really good podcast. But at the end, uh, one of the one of the co-hosts always says, "And remember, tithe ten percent." <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So, yeah. Ah. Oh. Uh, 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 uh. So. Yeah. Okay. Back into this. Uh, oh, are we on to? We're going to sports, eh? Eh? Yeah. We're on. We're on. We're on to like. We're on the fourth quarter, almost. I think. Woo-wee! I love it. Uh, so, what do we want to talk about? Last uh, episode, we touched on the Grand Prix a little bit, and we were just surprised. To were we surprised to find out there was a Las Vegas event? I think we were. I think we are surprised because we're, we're, we're kind of surprised. We were trying to remember where it was, you know, that where it was going <laughs> yeah. on because we talked about there's because there had been one in St. Louis. Yeah. Yeah, and then of course there's the Indy 500, right? The in Indianapolis, that's a yeah. But they just drive around in a, you know, you know, <laughs> making left turns all the time. Grand Prix, is, they actually have to make a right turn once is in a the, while. Is the Indy 500 part of the F1? No. Well, so so it's I I here's I don't know a whole lot. Same. So, yeah, <laughs> but what I understand, it's I mean they're F1 cars. Yes, right? it's they're they're still the Formula One cars, but they're driving through city streets right not on a track gotcha which then makes me wonder you know i how long how 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 long of a course is it you know Ooh. what i've what i've watched on in the past it's been a number of years watching grand prix in europe i mean they're driving left driving right you know missing the corner and then slamming into bales of hay you know all that kind of stuff yeah that's right um and so it's it's got a little bit more i guess variety or drama in it than uh, a typical yeah, indie race or for me nascar you know just yep. it's nascar is always fun to watch for the last few laps perhaps but you know or the first few laps but then after that i get lost while they're going for you know 500 miles no oh, geez but um but so i mean it's close to you and me here the the las vegas one is coming up vegas and uh, this was in the newspaper just a couple of days ago okay and uh, las vegas 
it's their local news channel, whatever it is, KLAS. They reported that the three-day pass uh, is listed at $1,050. Oh. Now, if you wanted to buy that ticket last year, just so you could be ready for it, yes. it would cost you $2,000. Oh, half off almost. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, now's the time to get in. But if you really wanted the, the really good seats, the prices were between eight and $10,000. Oh, geez. So, I mean, it's a little bit pricier than going to, um, you know, Meridian uh, Speedway here. <laughs> How much um, is the Meridian Speedway? Oh, but I think it's like seven bucks, you know. <laughs> Plus, you, you you get the one hundred one ounce bucket of beer if you want to, you know. One hundred and one ounce. Yeah, it's terrible. We used to clean up the grandstands the day after for a fundraiser for our baseball team. Oh my gosh, this beer had been sitting out all day. It's like, oh, that's gross. Oh yeah. boy. <laughs> so, uh, so are no. you are you going to go? You going to go to well, Vegas and watch the the the, the uh, qualifying rounds? Yes. Um, have gotten as cheap as $750. Hey. Uh, but I think still at that price, it's a little bit too high. So I don't know if this yeah. is an area that we want to build as a as mm-hmm. an area of interest <laughs> and see if we can get a sponsor from Ooh, the, I would lo- the, I would uh, love to go watch one at least. Is it the Grand Prix Association or what are Ooh, they called? Yeah, Grand Prix. I think, yeah, Grand Prix. So, what is their full name? I don't know. Yeah. So, um, you know, we should get, you know, grandstand tickets. We could even do a podcast right from the grandstand. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. <laughs> prices are, prices are getting down. If they get, if they get down to 25 bucks, you know, <laughs> it, you know, it might be a possibility. That would be, that'd be fun. That would be kind oh. of fun. I think my sister has been to something in Vegas. That was a race. I don't See, know would, if it was F one. It might have been. Is there a NASCAR race sometimes that happens in Vegas? I think yeah. There's there's a raceway for NASCAR out there. Okay, yeah. I think that yeah. might have been it. Yeah, yeah, and I, and, and uh, you know it'd be fun to expand. I I enjoy expanding my sports world. Yeah, you know, like like I never enjoyed watching tennis, but oh, you know, I've always liked watching the, tennis. The more that I the more that I do with uh, like sports med. And physical yeah. therapy and oh. you know, just working with athletic development. You know, I'm watching tennis and just amazed. Nonstop and, action. And and the strain that goes on knees and ankles quick, and quick, quick this way, yeah. that way. Oh man. Just, it, it, this remarkable eye hand coordination and all those bits yeah. and pieces. It's just, yeah, so every once in a while I just get I was like, I'm gonna watch this. <laughs> it's insane. And the thing I mentioned before, I started watching rugby. Uh, oh yeah yeah rugby's fun because i because i had one of my my hurdlers um she she texted me and said one hey, of your hurdlers uh, is a rugby player yeah she she texted me and said hey i hope you don't mind but i'm gonna play rugby this fall what it's like it's like why would i mind i think that's really cool it is cool so, but boy talk about setting but, up for an injury though oh i know i know that's that that's why i think she thought it would be a bad idea yeah. <laughs> but she was I knew she was really fast. So she had an open field. She'd go. And, <laughs> and actually in rugby, it's illegal to use a hurdle move. I was going to say, I was like, can they leap over the, the pile? Yeah, And, and I, I think she said she actually did in one, one match. Um, and so, <laughs> and didn't get called on it, but. Oh, but nice. It's a blast to watch that. What's really funny. I went, I was able to go to three games. And 
each time there's somebody behind me just fun to eavesdrop because you hear somebody go what are they doing uh you know what are what are the rules out there <laughs> yeah what are, it is a, if you're just coming in it was like what what does that mean you know just it's such curiosity in the stands you know why are they usually, all in a big huddle here it's like parents supporting their kids and they have no idea what's going on it's like i'm not with soccer said, can somebody explain this to me <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah but it was just so much fun to watch that's cool uh, and it so fun. and that's happened for soccer for me over the last five years and you know, other yeah. things. It's fun to just expand it. What's you know, maybe add you know, Grand Prix in there too. There you go. Hey, speaking of uh, you know, expanding your knowledge on some uh, obscure stuff. So football, you know, has uh, rugby is is at the roots of football, and so oh, yeah, there yeah. are so there are some uh, there are some rules in football that are still in existence that from those early days that are just goofy like wild oh, and they really? they pop up every now and then so one of them is there's a rule in in it's and it still exists in high school and NFL and in college they got rid of it back in like 1948 or something like that but the the rule is on a fair catch the team making the fair catch has the opportunity if they declare immediately after making the fair catch they can try a free kick from that spot and get three points if it goes, you know, through the, <laughs> through the uprights. Now, there's it's very rare that any team actually chooses to do it because it doesn't make a lot of sense, but only in very special circumstances, including ending of either a half or a game, right? When it makes sense, like if we miss, the other right. team's not going to get the ball back, you know, type type of thing. So, uh, yeah, so, but every now and then it does happen and it just happened in this big high school game. Um, it, uh, like one of the top ranked high schools pulled it off to win the game, uh, like a month ago or something like that. And it wow. blew everyone's mind cause they weren't aware of the, that is really that cool. Rule. <laughs> yeah. It's really cool. So, so one of the things they do in rugby, it's like, you know, so there's a penalty or something of stopping a play and the, depending on the whole situation like i'm still trying to figure out why anyway you know the 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 player is handed the ball mm-hmm. and they're supposed to kick it yeah to resume play <laughs> but they just actually give it like a little tap with their foot that's and right. grab it in their own hands that's right it's like they, a, they kick a, it down a, the field. an onside almost almost like yeah. a, and so a one, one man onside that, but i want to find out about it. maybe you're the person to answer this i had heard about an onside punt that's right yeah football that's right. And I'm wondering you if could, that's what that connection is. It might. Yeah, I think so. And I, I've seen video of that. And there is. Yes, it is a thing. It's a real thing. Yeah. Right. I can't remember the circumstances of when it makes the most sense or why it happens. But yes, that's what's yeah. well, crazy. I I, I uh, took Carla to one of these games and she had the same thing. Like, what's going on out there? I don't understand. Can somebody explain this to me? And I said, here's one thing that you need to see just so you see what's going on. And so when somebody scores... They can't just cross the goal line. That's right. I said, see, watch watch what they do with the ball. What do they have to do? Touch what? down. It has to touch down the That's ball. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, could you imagine if that became the rule in football? That's right. You actually have to, you have to touch literally... it down. You can't spike it. You can't just walk across. It actually has to. And the ball is live and That's can right. be taken away until you touch it down. That's right. And That's so cool. you, know, you cross the goal line, somebody gets the ball and they can run. That's right. So, um, 
then the that made me think of oh uh that that made me uh remember this week why it's called football because most people are like you barely ever kick it with your foot why do they call it football it makes more sense that soccer is called would be called football why do you americans call it football but actually what's fun uh the um the origins of that name are actually it's an umbrella term for any game where you play it on foot not on horseback or in the water swimming or anything like that so they that is actually was an umbrella term for all really? sports that were played while you were running so yep mm-hmm. okay while you're running. so not so much so tennis wouldn't be a football that's right yeah 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 right okay mm-hmm. well, well that is fascinating <laughs> that is good to yeah. know and right. uh and so they actually in the history of the term actually american football itself let's see I can't remember, but there was somewhere where it was actually more widely accepted internationally that it was actually called soccer, not football and and American football or or a version like rugby basically was football. So, yeah, well, I, I, I've, I've become a football a rugby. <laughs> I've become a rugby fan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So. Say, hey, so let's talk about some good news. And I think you should include the Tracy Chapman as the good, cool news. Best news. Oh, yeah. Th- I, I, that way we know, can bridge both worlds there. So the... I, that's a that's a great idea. I've got I've yeah. got this queued up. Hopefully it'll come across well. So in mm-hmm. case anybody, you know, remembers, maybe you're too young to remember 1988. Like some, I remember some, it. Oh, some I remember. People. No, I remember, remember it. I, I was seven for most of it. Oh, really? So. Mm-hmm. I love this song. Feeling that I belong 
That song is so good. Yeah, and I remember it from a particular period of my life where I'm going, you know, I don't know if I can stay where we are. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, it was I was in our first pastorate, and I, you know, was the lowest paid pastor in our district conference. You know, it's like, um, and and it's like we were struggling to make it by, and it's like, how do we get out of here? How do we, you know, make ends meet? And you have that struggle of. We need to get out of here. We need we need we to gotta, find a way out. We need to find and, a way out. And uh, it fit also so perfectly with my Bruce Springsteen fandom. Yes. You know, of um, you know, it's one of my favorite Bruce Springsteen lines is I took a wrong turn and just kept going. It it fits with <laughs> that whole idea of like, you know, you know, some kind of gotta escape where you are, you know, from Ugh. where you are. You gotta be born to run or whatever, you know. That's right, born to run. Along with that. Oh, that's so good. And so you know, so why is what so why is that good news? So good news because so Tracy Chapman, I don't think back, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but back then when this album, I mean, critically well-received, lots of people loved it. I don't think it won any awards. You know, I, that think, song it, back I then. think it, I think it you know, like sold well, you know? Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. There um, wasn't like a recognition. I, it, I don't think it was uh, popular as such. Yeah. You know, but. Um, However. It, this year, 35 years later. And and from all, all unexpected places, she <laughs> gets uh, a Song of the Year award. Song of the Year award from the CMA, Country Music Awards, 35 so think, years later. I think that was last week or so. Yeah, not, not too long ago. Uh, because uh, who was it? Luke Combs? Luke Combs. Covered and, it on an album this year. He, he does a very honorable... Mm -hmm. uh, cover doesn't add anything to it uh mm -hmm. doesn't try to change the words doesn't nope. add layers of <laughs> instruments you know it's it's it does a wonderful job yeah so yep and so nice yeah one of the good. one of the cool things reading about um this song for luke combs and i'm not a big country music fan you know and i i don't you know follow these these folks closely but it was interesting to read about this he said i remember that song when i was a kid mm -hmm. in my dad's f-150 you know it's like such a typical <laughs> country like i'm in a truck <laughs> yeah. kind of you know almost cliche but the theme of the song also fits kind of a almost a cliche country music theme about you know getting out of the small town, getting, getting somewhere. out of there. That's right. And and it you know it it struck a lot of 
themes that were kind of almost cliche, but earnest. Mm, um, that's right. And then he said when he when he picked up a guitar and learned how to play when he's 20 years, 21 years old, that was the first song that he learned how to play. Mm, that's awesome. So it's like, that's like, so he's been, he's been sitting on this one for a while. Yes. Yeah. Oh, so, that's good. So that, that's good news. And I don't know why I think that's good news. I think it's good news because Tracy Chapman gets uh, a lot. Yeah. She gets, she gets remembered and she gets a lot of credit for this. And uh, hopefully, you know, people like, Oh, Tracy Chapman, I think I'm going to back and listen, go back and listen to some more of her, her right. catalog. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's so crazy yeah she's uh she said she spoke in, in a, a statement never expected to find myself on the country charts but i'm on <laughs> that's cool yeah so maybe maybe our polarized world can actually come together that's right that's where right. yeah so mm. you know one thing it touches on too is that uh every person i've talked to i mean you you just shared your connection and your feelings about that song what it made you think about uh, every person has a story and they all take a slightly different uh, take or meaning on it, but but very still some similar longing and, and like you're saying, earnestness oh, yeah. or desires. So, yeah, uh, sounds to me like we have some common ground in all of us. You know, I think that's probably a place where we need to speak, uh, you know. Right. Yeah. Mm. Ah, maybe we got, excellent. Maybe we got more in agreement than we thought. Yeah. What you, well, another thing that kind of jumps out to me a bit about that song is when I think 1988, you know, I don't, and in music, I don't think of that style of music. You know what I mean? When you think, when you oh, think yeah. 80s well, and music and. What were you thinking of the 80s? Oh, yeah, I mean, you think, you know, I, I some um, um, Michael Jackson, perhaps if you're in the pop or hair metal was huge in the uh 80s so you're thinking that you know maybe some guns and roses and and uh that type of thing or even late 80s you might start thinking about like run dmc and uh the development of uh hit some hip-hop or rap there so but but this tracy chapman song comes on the scene yeah. But you hear it even even her just her version not even an updated oh. version but just her version yeah. you hear it in night in 2015 and you think wow that is a trend it, it transcends the time periods you know what i mean it's one of those songs that's like it's good in every era every age yeah yeah so I'm right right now i'm just scrolling through uh billboard's top 100 for 1988 and i do yeah. not believe it's in the list oh isn't that crazy but uh in there is faith number one oh by george, yeah, george michael george michaels there you go yep mm -hmm. uh in excess is next there you go you know, uh, George Harrison, number three. Oh, with uh, what's the song? I, Is it? Uh, I got my I got my mindset on, yeah. on you. Yep, that's the one I yeah. thought. Yep. And uh, but it's yeah, Guns and Roses. There you go. I knew it. Uh, so, uh, Cheap Trick, uh, <laughs> Def Leppard. You know, yep. it's like you yep. just kind of skim through this and you go, yeah, it wasn't a top on the pops, but it was. It it carries a timeless tune. That's right. Uh, and yeah. Mm, good stuff all right well cool well we'll call it a day another one in the bag baby yeah and uh, anybody out there hey thanks for your support loving it loving and, it and uh, be in touch with us let us know about theological assumptions or hey if you've got some good news of the week that we shouldn't forget Ooh. or traditions 
Or yeah, yeah. What what more traditions? traditions. Mm-hmm. Share so. some of your holiday traditions with us. And if oh. you say which holidays, well, whichever ones you want. Pick one. Pick one coming <laughs> Pick up one. that you want to. <laughs> yeah, coming up. We're not going to go back. We're not going to go back to Halloween. Don't go backwards. Fourth, no, no, Fourth no. of July and stuff Mm-mm. like that. So, yeah. no, no, we'll talk about those in due time. But Perhaps. end of your traditions. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We will call that a wrap. If I can find out where to stop recording. <laughs> Too many windows. Too many ways.